0: Hello, this is Christy Amira Harfouche, and you're listening to the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. We have a message for you today from Reverend John Harfouche. For more information, live broadcasts, and video teachings, connect with us online at globalrevival.com and join us every week for the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, and we will start in chapter 10. This morning, and in verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? How many of you, you know, know it's, it's good to talk about Jesus when we're in church. It's good to talk about Jesus when we're the body of Christ. So Jesus, the just, you know, loving, wonderful, you know, his whole message is be nice to everybody, right? Uh, at least that's what you hear from people that aren't Christians for some reason. Uh, seem to have a slight misunderstanding. Um, Jesus said some things that were so offensive to the people that he was speaking to that they have decided to execute him. They have decided to kill him for the capital for a capital offense. They've picked up stones and they're going to kill him. And his response is, I have showed you many good works from my father. For which of these good works are you going to kill me? <laughs> Tough crowd. Man. Rather not preach to those people if I can avoid it. I'd rather preach to... People that don't want to stone me. And if they wanted to stone Jesus, good luck. You know, if they wanted to stone Jesus, I don't know if there's anything you could do that will not draw the ire of people that do not love God, right? Jesus answered the many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, make thyself God. Poor, poor, poor guys. They really missed it on this one. It's Jesus. How many of you are Christians? How many of you know that Jesus is the son of God? And that he is God. The word was in the beginning with God and the word was God. He is, a, he is one of the three members of the Godhead. He became incarnate in flesh and walked among us and upset a whole lot of people with the things that he said. Thou being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law in the Old Testament? I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest? Because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not, the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the father is in me and that I am in him. Hallelujah. Now, uh, quick aside, I don't know how you, how Christians today believe that they can defend the assertion that the Father is in them and they are in the Father, that the Son is in them and that they are in in the Son, that the Holy Ghost is in them and that they are in the Holy Ghost without the power to do the works that Jesus did. Because Jesus came up against persecution against his words. And he said, if you don't believe my words, believe the miracles. Because you know that no man can do these works unless God sent him. We know that they, know that they knew that. Because it has recorded multiple times in the scripture that they said amongst themselves that same thing. We know that... Someone with demons can't do these miracles, can't open the blind eyes, can't do the things that he did. And so they were between a rock and a hard place because they didn't like what Jesus was saying. But he was backed up by power. How many of you would like to be able to say to the mob of people that are going to stone you, that they should believe the works. How many of you would prefer to have some power to back up what you say if someone tries to put you in front of the firing squad? How many of you would like some backup? How many of you would like the gun to go with that badge that you have? Right? Well, that's what Jesus walked in. And we know that Jesus walked and lived as a man anointed by God. Jesus was the incarnate word of God. But he walked as a man anointed by God. So that we can walk as men and women anointed by God. Because if he did what he did by his divine power Only if he did what he did as God in the earth, only we would never be able to do it. He lived and walked as a man anointed by God, and then he commanded us to preach the gospel to all nations to do the same works that he did and greater works. How many of you know that it would be a blasphemy? if the works that he did, he did by his divinity, but as not as a man anointed by God, but as God, and then he told us to somehow do greater works than God did. No person could do greater works than God did. In fact, no person can do the works that Jesus did unless God is with them. But if we can do the works that he did, God with him, then God is with us in the same capacity and in the same way, in the way that he's talking about here. Jesus is the example. He is the formula. He is the image of what being Christian is because Christian is a term that means Christ-like, the followers of Christ. We emulate him, right? And he lives in us. So we're talking about transformation. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So think about this exchange that is happening. Jesus is saying to these people who want to stone him for blasphemy because he makes himself God. Now we know who Jesus is. These people obviously did not understand who it was they were talking to. They did not understand the words that he was saying or why he was saying them. We know that he is the word of God. We know that he is the son of God. We know that he is God, that he is God, the God-man. We know all these things. But we know these things because we were taught these things by the apostles. We were taught these things by the people of God that he moved into and empowered to walk like him. They told us that we could walk like him because they walked like him. They told us that we could do the works that he told them they could do because they followed his instruction and did those works. We know the things that we know that these people do not know, not because we're smarter. We did not come out of the womb with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We have the scripture to tell us that. But wait a second, what is this? It's the scripture. So if this is something we understand to be scripture, if this is something that we know is the infallible word of God, that it was prophetically given by the Lord, then this is a scripture In which the Lord is talking about scripture. Don't let me tilt your brain too much. This was spoken before it was written. This was an exchange that occurred before it was put on record. We have this as an infallible scripture that we can rely on. Because it was put on record. But was it not... The word of God when Jesus said it. Did it become the word of God when it was put on record? Did it become the word of God when someone else wrote it down? It was the word of God when it was coming out of the mouth of the word. And so when it was happening... It was just as authoritative as it is now. It's authoritative now because it was authoritative when it was happening. Not because it was written down. But how many of you don't have any tape recordings of this event? How many of you have no pictures or other records of this event occurring other than that which is recorded in the scriptures? what we now call the scriptures. Well, not only was this not called scripture when Jesus was speaking it, it was not yet called the scriptures when it was first written. There had to be an identification made with those scriptures that came before. Because Jesus here is talking about the scripture. And he says, God says, the word of God says, the scripture cannot be broken. We know what the scripture says. We know that the word of God called those the sons of God to whom the word of God came. And scripture cannot be broken, says Jesus. Scripture cannot be broken. But the scripture that they would have understood in that time when he was saying those words to them did not include this verse that had not been written yet. It did not include all of those scriptures that would be written by the prophetic apostles and prophets who put on record what we now have as our scriptures... But how many of you know that it was the word of God even before it was recorded by John, by the apostle John? When he was there and he heard Jesus speak those words, those words were already authoritative. Those words were already true. Scripture cannot be broken. And we stand on the scripture today because we know that it is authoritative. But we know that it is authoritative because it was preserved by the church. We preserved it and handed it down. Every generation, in every country, in every kingdom, in every place in the world. We preserved this so that we could stand on these words. We preserved this so that we would know what was spoken, what was inspired. But those people at that time did not have any method or means of knowing that they were hearing the words of Scripture. Scripture cannot be broken, says Jesus. Paul says to his son Timotheus in Second Timothy, who was the bishop of Ephesus, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 if you want to look it up later. Paul says to Timothy, You have known the Holy Scriptures from your youth. And he's writing a letter that is Scripture. Now, when that letter was written and that, when that letter was sent, it was not appended into a Bible immediately. It was sent to Timothy and Timothy read it. And it was the words of an apostle. It was the words of a prophet put on record. And it said, Timothy, you know who you've been taught by. You know who you received this word from. Talks about how we haven't followed cunningly devised fables. Timothy, you know what I've taught you. And, you've, and you have known the holy scriptures from your youth. And so he talks about what the apostles are teaching orally at that time. And then he talks about what was already written. But as he's writing these words, these inspired words would be preserved and passed down by us as Scripture. And he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good things. Was this written? By the inspiration of God? Was this written by the inspiration of God? This we now have as scripture referring to itself. This scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Imagine the Lord working through you in a way where you are writing concerning the sacred scripture and those words that you are writing are inspired sacred scripture. Now, listen, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't want you to get uncomfortable. I'm not saying that you're going to write new scriptures today. But I am saying that you can be inspired to write prophetically by God. That you can write and speak and say and do things that did not come by the will of man. But came by the inspiration of God. And we don't need to write any more scripture. Because we contend for the faith that was once delivered. We follow the apostles doctrine. We have a foundation of which no other foundation can be laid. No other gospel can be preached. We've received what we've received. But when that reception happened, the power to work in that way did not end. The power to work in the way they worked did not end when that was given. But listen, we would not even have this As scripture, if it wasn't for the children of God that preserved it, that copied it, and sent it to all the churches, and translated it into all the languages of the world, and passed it down to us today. We read the words written by the Apostle Paul, and the power of God is in them. They bear witness with your spirit and you know that what you're reading is holy scripture. But we wouldn't even have these scriptures if they didn't preserve them. And we wouldn't even call them scripture if they did not recognize the authoritative quality of those scriptures. If they did not preserve and say this letter of Paul should be read by every Christian in every time, in every place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Peter, Second Peter says in the first chapter, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Right? Did not come by the will of man. It came by the inspiration of God. And it is not up to private interpretation. It was not, another way that this is translated, is it was not coming from the will or the viewpoint or the opinion of the speaker. It was coming from God. But what's he talking about? No prophecy of scripture. Now, how many of you know that when, they, when we talk about the church of Antioch, what do we see in the church of Antioch? Prophets and teachers. Prophets and doctors. Paul was among them. And so the people of God who were teaching in the church of Antioch were recognized as prophets. Because the words that they were speaking were not their own words. And that should not be a contentious thing to anyone here because some of the words that were spoken by those people that were called prophets are now recorded by us as Holy Scripture. Right? No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Wait a second. Wait a second. Holy men of God spake prophecies of Scripture? They were moved by the Holy Ghost and spoke prophecies of Scripture? Well, then they were written down. Did they become inspired of God when they were written down? Or were they inspired of God when they were spoken? Holy men of God spake. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. They did not come by the will of man. Well, they spake. Well, That's like what we're talking about with Jesus. Jesus was the holy man of God. And he spake. And he said that he didn't preach about himself. He preached about his father. He didn't do his will. He did the will of his father. He was a prophet. Right? He walked as a man anointed by God. And so in the same way that he spoke to those people who were holding stones, getting ready to kill him, the holy men of God in times of old spoke. Those prophecies were recorded in scripture, in written form. Hallelujah. And and, and this this... This is inescapable when you're reading the Bible. It's all over the place. Paul says in Galatians, I just have too many scriptures to go to, so just try to follow along with me. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, and the scripture, prepare yourself for this one, foreseeing the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached Before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. The Scripture. For seeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. The scripture preached to Abraham. Who wrote Genesis? Moses. How many hundreds of years after Abraham... It's More than that, it's a long, long time. Centuries passed after Abraham went home to be with the Lord. After Abraham went to the place of comfort, to Abraham's bosom. Centuries passed before Moses recorded the scriptures. So what was the scripture that preached to Abraham? It was spoken to him by God. We have the record of it because Moses put it on record. But the word of God came to Abraham saying, in thee will all nations be blessed. And that word was the scripture. Was the scripture that preached to Abraham. The scripture that foresaw What the destiny of the promise was. The day that the promise was first given to man. Was first given to our father in the faith, Abraham. Of course, after the first presence of the promise that we see in Adam and Eve. But the day that the promise was given to Abraham, it was scripture foreseeing what the fulfillment of that promise was. The scripture foreseeing that God would save the heathen as well. Preached to Abraham, by your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. And we now know that that seed, singular, by which the nations of the world would be blessed was Jesus, that he said not to Abraham seeds as of many, but seed as of one. And so the scripture foresaw it. But listen, that scripture was not written at that time. That scripture was orally passed down Generation to generation, the word of God, the promise of God to his people. Listen, how many of you know that no word of God is in vain, that every word of God accomplishes what it is set out to do, that everything God said is put on record, everything God said, it does not pass away. When God says, let there be light, there is still light. How many, how many, how many ages ago did God speak creation into being? Did God bring humanity about? And you're still here. You are here and all of creation is here by the word of God. The the ground that we walk on, the world that we live in is the decree. He's still upholding all of creation by the word of his power. All things were made by him, the word, John says. All things were made by him and without him, nothing was made that is made. So how many of you know that when God says something, Whether someone writes it down or not does not determine whether it is authoritative. There was no one there taking notes like, whoa, whoa, slow down, Uh, let there be light. There was no tablets, there was no book upon which that had to be recorded. It is recorded on the fabric of reality itself. We are living in a world that was decreed by the word of God. And so from the moment that that word, that that promise was given to Abraham, it was on record. It could not be broken. It could not be taken away. It did not need someone to write it down until such time as God decreed. Because it was just as much scripture as it would become when it was written on tables and handed down. It was just as much scripture at that time when it was spoken to Abraham it was just as powerful because it was the word not of man but of God. And so the word takes on flesh and comes into the world and says, the scripture cannot be broken. The word of God cannot be broken. He's a man of his word. He cannot lie. He cannot be made to lie. He will not fail to do all that he has promised. Everything that he said is on record and cannot be changed. And when Jesus said those words, we know this because he told us this. He was speaking by the will of God. He was speaking the words of God. And we, back all the way back then, knew enough to recognize that that was the case and to put those words on record so that we would know what was said and what was spoken and what was done all of these thousands of years later. Listen, the Bible is not like any other work that has ever been produced. Abraham lived at a time that is considered prehistoric. There was no writing. With which to record scripture. You can go back and look at the monuments of the great civilizations. There's no writing. There's no hieroglyphics. There's no nothing. Everything had to be spoken at that time. That's why that time is referred to as prehistoric. Because if nobody could record anything in writing. Then there's only so much that you can find out about it. And so we have a, a we have the Word of God that has been handed down to the people of God from prehistoric times. And then you get into Moses' time, and now you're in historic times. Now people are recording history. Now people have alphabets, now people have writing, and that scripture that was spoken by God that was spoken through prophets gets put on record. And so we have in Genesis, from the beginning of humanity, all the way through prehistoric times into historic times. And at the beginning of history, we have the beginnings of the Bible. At the beginning of history, We have the beginnings of the written word that we now have that was passed down orally until that time. And then we have all of the eras after the Lord speaking through prophets, the Lord doing his will with his people, the word, the word, the Lord looking, seeking about the earth seeing on whose behalf he can show himself mighty. And we have, it's not just one book written at one time. You're talking about a library, a collection of historical documents that record the spoken word of God, not given by the will of man, not like any other history book that has ever existed, but inspired by the spirit of truth. Put on record by the Lord, spoken by the word of God through the mouths and hands of prophets and writers that put it on record. And we have that all the way from the beginning of history. And it's being added to. It's being added to all during that time the the bible was written over the, over a span of thousands of years that's not like any other book that's not like any other record there is nothing else like that and the lord revealed just like the lord the lord revealed himself right to abraham before that adam knew him right Adam offered sacrifices. His children knew how to sacrifice to God. Seth and Enoch and Noah were servants of the Lord. But the Lord revealed himself to Abraham. And then he revealed himself to Isaac. And then he revealed himself to Jacob. And then he revealed himself to Moses. And then for hundreds upon hundreds of years you have the lord stepping out and speaking into the world speaking through his prophets speaking and prophesying what it is that would come and until that time as as until the until the promise was fulfilled he continues to speak things that are put on record as scripture and so we have an inheritance we have an inheritance as the church because we're the descendants of the church because we're the members of the body of Christ but the inheritance that we received did not begin then we have something that spans the whole history of humanity we have in our hands the collected speech of God to humanity for the last 7,000 years from prehistoric times, you got Paleolithic, you got Bronze Age, you got Iron Age, you got it all. Right? Until such time as the church came on the scene until such time as the people of God who were born again, who were transformed by him came on the scene. Hebrews said, speaking of the covenant, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Right? Listen, turn with me in your Bibles to who he's quoting the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, I'm sorry if I'm a little intense right now. This is our inheritance. Jeremiah, Jeremiah lived a long time after Moses. He lived a long time after Abraham. But Jeremiah was a prophet. And the people of God recorded what Jeremiah said and what Jeremiah wrote and passed that down. So we have that too. Jeremiah was in the scripture already. In the record of scripture already. When Jesus said the scripture cannot be broken. Jeremiah was on record to be read to the people by the writer to the Hebrews. By Paul, when he was writing to the Hebrews, he could say, look at what the prophet said. Not by the will of man. Not subject to any personal interpretation. Cannot be broken. Look at what the prophet said. In Jeremiah chapter 31. And we'll start reading in verse 31. The behold. This is Jeremiah speaking. So listen. This this man of God is speaking. And he is speaking scripture. He is speaking prophecy. He is speaking from God. And he was a righteous prophet. And so what he was saying was put on record. Because it wasn't from him. There's no way he could know. What the Lord was going to do. There's no way that he could know. But the Lord was revealing through prophet after prophet after prophet from era to era what it was that he had planned. Not because he was coming up with it at the time, no. Because the scripture foresaw that the heathen would be saved. It preached that the heathen would be saved to Abraham. And so this inheritor is living in a time after and he is speaking by the will of God. And he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Centuries, centuries before we came on the scene as the church. Centuries before Jesus came into the earth To establish that new covenant. To fulfill the law. To fulfill the promise. To finish what he started when he said in the garden that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. To finish what he was talking about when he said to Abraham, By your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. But before he could do that, it had to be spoken and it had to be put on record by the Lord. Surely the Lord will do nothing unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Behold, look, that's all that means, by the way. The days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So he'll make a new covenant, not according to the law of Moses, but how many of you know it's the one that was forespoken to Abraham from the beginning, the fulfillment of the promise, right? Right? Which covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah! If you go back to Hebrews chapter 8, I can read it to you. He says, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them. Not, saith the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people or a nation. Right? And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And so... In this scripture, in this book of Hebrews that is recorded and put on record for us so that we can have it as scripture today. So that we can read it as scripture today. We have the Lord speaking through a prophet to explain the words of a prophet about the words of a prophet about the words of a prophet. We have the prophetic words put on record talking about the prophecy that came to Jeremiah, about the covenant that came to Moses that was based on the promise that came to Abraham. And every step of the way through that endless span of history, the Lord is speaking and putting on record what he is going to do. And what he is going to do, what is so important That he spent all this time laying the foundation to make it happen is you. What is so important is us. What is so important is a time when the Lord will forgive all of our sins and write. His laws upon our hearts and everyone will know God from the least to the greatest. It's this time that we're now walking in. But listen, why am I talking about this? Why are we going over this? There's a lot of reasons. But one of them is this. The promise that was given, the thing that was delivered to the apostles, was not just more books. Hebrews says that if that old covenant had been sufficient, then we wouldn't need the new one. Paul talks about how the law saved no one. The law saved no one. You can't be saved because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You need the new birth. You need the redemption. And so that was the fulfillment of promise. promise. The fulfillment of promise was not, we messed up the first time we delivered the law, so we decided to provide another one. No, because the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. He came to bring... The fulfillment of every promise, of every prophecy, of everything that God had spoken into the world that he would do. And he said, it is finished. He didn't say it is finished when when John wrote that he said that. When the gospel writers wrote that he said that. It was not finished at the moment that Mark's pen left the paper and Matthew's pen left the paper. It was not finished the moment that it was put into the written record. It was finished the moment that God said, it is finished. And what happened? He came... And he spake, he preached, he taught after his resurrection to the people that he had taught before his crucifixion. And he taught them out of all the scriptures concerning himself. He showed them how every scripture had been fulfilled, how every promise had been delivered. It had already happened. It had already been done. It was already on record. It was already available. And then he spoke to them and he said, go and tarry so that that promise that I promised that the spirit would come down on my servants and my handmaids in those last days will be fulfilled. And it was fulfilled. And then they went. They went to do what he commanded them to do. They went to do what he commissioned them to do. And all that time, every word that he had spoken was just as authoritative as it is today. All that time, before they had any written record, but had heard the word of God, they were able to step out and do the things that God told them to do. Just like when he sent the 70 before his crucifixion and he told them to go out and cast out devils and heal the sick. And they said even... Just as you said, according to your word, we did all of it. Because that word was authoritative from the moment that it was spoken. It was not not something that came by the will of man and was written down and someone thought it was a good idea, so they recorded it. It was something that was spoken by God with power to do what was spoken and it was put on record by those people to whom it was spoken so that they could pass those words down to us so when was the church born was the church born when the bible was written no the church was born when the holy ghost came And fulfilled that promise that they were waiting for. And here's the thing. If it was not for those people to whom the word of God came. Hearing and receiving and recognizing those words. Jesus says to the people. Jesus says to the people. You didn't recognize my words because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my words and a stranger they won't follow. So if it wasn't for those people in that time, if it wasn't for us, the church, hearing those words and having those words spoken into our hearts, his laws, that covenant is not, I will send a new covenant in that time with some more tablets of stone that covenant was i will send a new covenant in my in that time when i will put my law on their hearts and so when those men of god who had the law of god in their hearts spoke the word of god it was scripture just like when the word of god spoke the words of god It was scripture. Just like when the prophets of old spoke, they did not do so by the will of man. No scripture of prophecy. Right? It was spoken by the Lord. And so we have on record the word of God. But we did not lose access to the word of God because we have the written word of God. No, the, the written word of God itself tells us that if any man speak, let him do so as the oracle of God. In other words, if any man speak, he doesn't need to speak just as someone reading some words. He needs to have the Holy Ghost. He needs to have the Lord speaking through him. He, we don't preach about Christ like we always say. We preach Christ. Christ. We don't preach and just learn something. We preach and are changed by something. Like beholding in a mirror. We are changed into the image of the Son of God. We learn who He is so that we will learn who we are. And we're changed as a result of that. And and I don't how many of you how many of you recognize how incredible that is how the lord was speaking and the people of god were speaking that the church in those fir- in that first century time when they were reaching all the nations which we've talked about for the last few months all the places where we've talked about all the foundational times you know it, we you know it was It was John's disciple, Polycarp, and his disciple Ignatius that first referred to the words of the apostles as Scripture. They quoted the words of the apostles about the authority of Scripture in reference to the words of the apostles. It was them the Christians, it was us in that time that recorded those words and recognized them to be the words of the Lord, not the words of men. Paul talks about it, right? He says, you know, you're." I, I, I talked about this situation with me and Apollo because I want you to understand that what you've received, you've received from God. Paul said, "I have determined to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. All my education, all my earthly knowledge, all my earthly ability, I counted as dung. I speak to you by the inspiration of God. He was not here to be a scholar. He was here to be a prophet, because that's the kind of teacher, that's the kind of doctor that exists in the church. Well, why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because of a lot of reasons. You know, I, I, we spent some time, we had first century discipleship this week. And I spoke with uh, them on one of the days and we looked at the history of the written word, the modern history of the written word, essentially, the passing down of the Bible until our time how we received it in English, right? And there's a lot of misconceptions about the Word of God, and there's a lot of misconceptions about the Bible. Most people don't realize that if they actually go and look in their Bible and read the translator's notes to the readers, then they will find that most of what they believe about the transmission of the Bible is not accurate. Because what happened following this time that these words were put on record, is not that they were then taken away from people. What happened was that they were translated into every nation and every tongue and every language that the people of God could get their hands on and spread to every corner of the earth that the people of God could reach. They took these words that they knew were the inspired word of God. And they translated them and made them available to people all over the world. And that's why we have them so well preserved today. That's why it's such an important thing for us to preserve the word of the Lord. Dr. Harfouch started speaking about, we started speaking about the Keepers of the Book initiative and, and getting the hard copy, these historical works and preserving them against changes a decade ago. At a time when really nobody was expecting that there was going to be some kind of a problem with the Bible. That people, Dr. Harfush talked about it. He said they're going to try to change the word of God. They have all these digital copies of stuff. They can change any digital copies. They can update digital copies. They can push out updates to digital copies. But they can't push an update to a a printed book from 600 years ago. But it's not just having the printed works. It's having the whole history of the Bible so that it's preserved. The church did a really, really, really good job preserving the Word of God putting all of these words and all of these things that were spoken, putting down a written record of what was delivered to the church, what was delivered to us, the living faith that we received. And I don't emphasize the fact that those words had power before they were written in order to belittle what has been written. Because the inheritance that we've received in the written word is incomparable. It is excellent. It is is good for edification and reproof and rebuke and making us into a perfect man. It is the word of God. But I say it Because what was delivered to the saints is not a dead law. What was delivered to the saints is a living faith. And alongside the written records of the founders of the church, there was passed down the spoken word, revelation, preaching, To the people of God, generation after generation, impartation, laying on of hands. Listen, if the Holy Spirit was not made available to you, then the Bible could not do you any good. You have to be alive in your spirit to even be blessed by the things that are written in the Bible. To even, if you don't have the spirit of truth living in you, then you can't profit off of anything that's in the Bible. If you don't have the power of God backing you up, you can't do anything that's in the Bible. And so we have the written word and we have the faith that's been handed down. The written word is a record of the faith that was handed down verbally. Paul says, you know who you receive the word from and you knew the scriptures from your birth. Praise God, we know who we receive the word of God from and we have the scriptures from our birth. Hallelujah. So I'm not saying anything negative about the scriptures. I'm saying the opposite because we live in a time when people are attempting to take what has been put on record and edit and change and alter it. And we thankfully have the prophetic direction of the Lord to equip ourselves with the weapons that we need and the knowledge that we need in order to refute any kind of argument for that. And listen, when we started doing it, A lot of people thought it was kind of silly to think that people would start editing the Bible. But we live in a time where there's Bibles coming out where they change stuff all the time now. Talked about this with some of the first century disciples. You can now buy a Bible where all of the gendered language has been changed to gender neutral language. Even concerning God. Because apparently calling God, he is offensive to some people. And so they think that they can alter the words of God to make God more palatable to them. But they cannot change one jot or one tittle. Because it was recorded, it was on record, it was authoritative from the moment that it was spoken. And no one has any authority to edit or change or revoke a word of God. No one can say no light anymore and light goes away. No one can say no fish and no trees and no plants and no you anymore and revoke you. No one can say that... Jesus did not provide for you what he provided for you. And so that's the world that we now live in. You might buy a Bible today. You can buy a Bible today. There are multiple translations you can buy today and you will find missing verses. And this is something that I said to the first century disciples, because me and doctor were talking about it. If, you know, there's a lot of people who because of the strength of the Word of God, because of the sufficiency of the Word of God, because of the fact that they have the Word on record, they don't believe that they need the church. Now, that is a self-defeating argument. The The whole argument is a red herring. Because if your argument is that only the Bible is authoritative, then you have to accept the church. Because the Bible describes the church. The Bible tells you what the church is. The Bible says that Jesus gave himself for the church. The Bible says that Jesus founded the church. The Bible tells us all about the church. We only, we have on record what God said about the church and it's in the Bible. So the author the argument that the bible is authoritative is not an argument against the living body of christ that's in the earth today the argument that the bible is authoritative is an argument for the church but if you believe that all you have is the bible and all you need is the bible then your highest authority is the publisher Your king, your ruler, your God is the one who gets to decide which scriptures and which verses they will alter for their own ends. And so you've put yourself in a place and in a time where you don't want to be subject to the authority of the church. And so you're now subject to a publisher. The church. Preserved the word of God through all these ages. The church preserved what was spoken and put on record through all this time. And listen, there's a great many people who think that that's not true. But if you actually study the history, you know that that's true. Listen, we know who wrote the gospels. We know who wrote the epistles. We know who wrote Revelation. We know who wrote the whole New Testament. We have historical proof of the existence of not just Jesus and the apostles, but the first century church and how they function. And we have all of the writings of Christians from the beginning whose words are not scripture but whose words are about the church and they describe the church and talk about the church. Everything from histories to to preaching tapes, essentially, homilies, written sermons. So we have the whole history of the church. We have the whole record of when the Bible was written. And not only that, we have, because the Bible was translated into so many different languages, and taken to so many different nations a cloud of witnesses, let's say. A great cloud of witnesses of the preservation of Scripture. Because you can go and get the Ethiopian translation of the Bible that was translated in 200. And you can get the Syriac translations of the Bible that were from the first century. And you can get the Greek original text of the Bible That is obviously from the first century, right? And you can look at the Armenian. You can look at the Indian. You can look at the Latin. You can look at all of these different records held by different churches in different parts of the world that spoke different languages and for the majority of history lived under different governments and had very little communication with each other. They knew each other, they wrote to each other, but nobody had Facebook. You want to talk about snail mail, you're writing a letter and it's getting there in a couple months. Right? They knew each other because they understood that the body of Christ was one body. Right? That's what we read. We read where some of the fathers said that in all of these different countries speaking all of these different languages with all of these different cultures separated by great distance, nonetheless, the church speaks as if they have one mind and one heart. They have one word and they have one message. And thousands of years later, we could take all of their Bibles and compare them and see that they are all exactly the same. So no one person No one empire, no one power had the ability to come in and mess with the word of God. No one had the ability to take the word of God out of the hands of the people of God. We have preserved the faith that was handed to us from the beginning. We have preserved it and we have passed it down and we have it today. And now it's important for us to know our history. It's important for us to have our records so that when people from outside of us, when people from outside of the church come back and try to attack and try to poke holes and try to aggress against different parts of the Bible, we can say, hands off, this is the word that God spoke to us. This is the word that God delivered to us that we have preserved, that we have held from ancient times all the way down to today. And those words are powerful. Not only that, just like Jesus said, if you don't believe my words, believe the works. If you want to know whether the Bible is the word of God. Go find someone who's doing miracles. Go find someone who's healing the sick by those words. Go find someone who's delivering the captives by those words. Go find someone who has supernatural power backing up those words. Just like the gospel said when it ended, and he went with them confirming their words with signs following. And so we minister and we operate in the same way that Jesus did when he was talking to that mob. And so when the mob comes and attacks the words that you speak and attacks the things that God told you and picks up rocks to stone you, you can say, no, the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. And if you don't believe my words, then believe by the works. Because this is the word of God and it is powerful to do everything that it says. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!